Hello, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of The Daily. It's a brand new week and I do sincerely hope that these podcasts have been helpful in you kickstarting your day with a time of devotion. Now, I can't emphasize how important and beneficial it is to start your day with a time of prayer, with reading a passage of scripture. It's so important for us, even as we have multiple influencers by way of media, the news cycle, to continually root and ground ourselves in God, His presence and His truth. And so if you've been using this resource every day, thank you so much for tuning in. And I pray that this would be the start of a lifelong practice and ritual, that of devotion. Well, this last Sunday, I spoke on the fruit of spirit, that of patience. In a society like ours, characterized by speed, efficiency, and expediency, in many ways we live in a kind of instant society today, don't we, right? With instant food, fast food, instant messaging, uh, next day delivery, sneak peeks, we get things fast quick and now and in many ways our culture and society monetizes uh, our inability to wait doesn't it right you know you pay more to get faster download speeds you pay more to uh, get an early screening of a movie that you've been waiting for and because this is our culture at times when we don't get things fast quick efficient and expedient you know we feel almost a kind of justified anger and irritability we feel justified to express our disapproval disdain and even lash out on people and so it's especially so in a cultural climate like this that we need to cultivate the fruit of patience we need a kind of divine patience right a patience that transcends even our own uh kind of self-will and self-effort a kind of patience that is, you know, both effort but also spirit empowered. And that is what Paul promises to us in Galatians, right? That the fruit of the spirit is patience. As we abide in the spirit, as we let the spirit rule and reign and have control and access into our lives, every area of our lives, we would see over time the fruit of patience being cultivated. After all, if we are rooted in God and allow His word, His truth to take deep root within us, it is only natural for God kind of fruit, for the fruit of the Spirit to be born in and through our lives. In my message, I mentioned two kinds of patience that God wants to cultivate uh, in our hearts, in our lives, especially in a time like this one, right? The first kind of patience is patience with other people. It's the Greek word makroufmeia, which means patient, slow to anger, a kind of long suffering. And that's the kind of patience that we are to endeavor to exhibit, especially in our relational lives, right? To be slow to anger, to not be quick tempered, to not lash out when we feel tempted to do so, to bridle uh, our kind of irritability when it rises, to be slow to anger. And the other kind of patience I brought up is, uh, comes from the Greek word hypermeno, which means to be patient in suffering, right? If you break up uh, that Greek word, it loosely translates to bearing under the weight of something. And that's how 
uh, suffering often looks like. Right? It looks like bearing under the intense weight of stuff of of something, and that's the kind of patience that God wants to cultivate in in us. A patience that is not just a kind of niceness or tolerance or sanguine kind of personality, but it's a patience that is robust, that is resilient, that will cause us to endure even in the most trying of times. Jesus himself was patient. In suffering, right, he didn't retaliate, was vengeful, or sought to get the process over and done with. He was patient in the midst of suffering. But for today's podcast, I'd like to talk about a third kind of patience, and that is patience in waiting on God. Specifically, waiting on God for promise, for fulfillment of destiny, for deliverance from a situation. It's waiting on God, His promises. Now I'm going to read to you a passage from Second Peter chapter three verse nine shortly. But before I get to that passage, I want to give you a bit of um, historical background uh, so that you understand the context to which Peter was penning uh, these words. For nine days during the summer of AD sixty-four. Fires devastated the city of Rome. There were these、uh, massive fires that、uh, engulfed the、uh, various parts of the city. Now, this was because the Emperor Nero、uh, would set these fires, and he did so with a kind of vision of destroying parts of the city and then reclaiming large sections of it、uh, for his own, so that he could rebuild it and、uh, and and put in stuff that he so desired. Now the Roman citizens were very, very angry, of course, because back in that day there was no such thing as fire insurance, right? When the fire came and consumed、uh, all your stuff,、uh, there was no way of recovering it. You basically lost,、uh, would lose all your wealth and your possession, and so there was this kind of growing dissent from the Roman citizens against、uh, Emperor Nero. Now here. We have Emperor Nero in this cultural moment, who is being under fire.、Uh, forgive the pun. <laughs> he's under fire, right? He he's facing、uh, this growing dissent from his citizens, and he's looking for someone to shift the blame towards. And it's in this time that there's a group of people called the Christians, Galileans, followers of the way, who people began to hate, and、uh, they were a deeply misunderstood community, right? People thought that they were cannibals because they brought in abandoned babies off the street.、Uh, they spoke of eating and drinking of their Messiah in their gatherings. People thought that they were incestuous because they were deeply affectionate as a people, and you had brothers and sisters greeting each other with a holy kiss. And people also thought that they were opposed to the Roman Empire because they would say Caesar is not our Lord, Jesus is our Lord. So Nero thought, right? This is perfect. You already have a group of people that people,、uh, Roman citizens, collectively hated, and so he would blame the fires on them. That it was the Christians who would set these fires in defiance of、uh, the Roman Empire, and this resulted in tremendous persecution on the followers of Jesus, and drastically and dramatically changed the social status in society. Nero would literally dip. Christians in tar and set them on fire, like candles in the streets. Horrific. He would sew Christians in animal skins, and throw them into the arena and have them torn apart by wild animals. 
So Nero had this genuine hatred for Christians. And it was in this kind of backdrop that Peter pens, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he writes to the people of God this epistle to comfort them in a time of great persecution. And so 1 Peter really speaks into how believers ought to conduct themselves stay firm, stay resolute in times of great persecution. Second Peter is a bit different, right? It's this little book with a whole lot of passion, right? It feels intense, but it is expected almost because, you know, these were the Apostle Peter's last words, right? And so in chapter 1, Peter challenges believers to never stop growing in godliness and in Christ. And then in chapters 2 and 3, he pivots towards uh, the teachers, the corrupt teachers who are denying the return of Jesus uh, and final judgment in order to justify certain immoral uh, behaviors. And so their combined skepticism of Jesus' return with their love and of sin uh, results in a kind of uh, debauchery that was uh, infiltrating the community of God. And so in 2 Peter, uh, Peter refutes their claims that the return of Jesus is a kind of myth, it's not happening, it's not uh, that, that Christ has somehow somewhat forgotten the people of God, that uh, this kind of uh, delay that they're experiencing is a sign that Jesus is not coming back. And so in response to uh, this kind of like corrupt teaching, Peter pens these words in 2 Peter. He writes this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The first thing we kind of notice from that verse is that line in verse 8 that God's timetable is dramatically different from ours, right? One day to the Lord, you know, is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. And this flies into the face of like much of our impulse and instinct because for many of us, we have a kind of ideal timeline for where and when we want things to pan out. You often think by 30 years old, I want to make this amount of money. By 40, I want to have this big of a house. Uh, or, you know, perhaps it might look like uh, I am okay enduring with this kind of hardship for this set amount of time. Beyond that, it's just unreasonable and I want and I demand deliverance from that situation. But in this verse, we read that God's timeline is dramatically different from our kind of timeline. Not because he is vengeful or vindictive, but because he has a grander purpose in mind. And often that purpose goes be over our heads, right? It's far beyond our kind of human comprehension. And many times in the delay, we have to uh, come to a place of faith and trust that God is indeed working something greater is working something for good that is beyond our human comprehension. And so some of you today might be waiting on God for a kind of deliverance from a uncomfortable, difficult situation or circumstance. But I think I can be pretty certain to say that all of us, everyone listening, is in some way, shape and or form 
waiting on God for a promise to come to pass. And you might not be going through a difficult situation or circumstance, but in this day, you are trusting, you are waiting on God for a promise that may look like uh, a promise from scripture, a prophetic word, or something that you've received in the dream. You are waiting on God for the fulfillment of his word of what he said. Now, I can't think of a better person in the Bible to teach us patience in waiting on God like King David. And many of us are familiar with his story, right? You know, he spent 13 years between his anointing as king and his coronation. 13 years in the waiting. It wasn't a pleasant kind of wait. He went through hellish situations and circumstances in that period, in that middle, in that process between uh, the declared word and the word coming to pass. And in Psalm 37, he writes this raw, unfiltered poem in the middle of that circumstance, these circumstances, one that questions if God was ever going to come true for him, if so, how much longer? And the psalm reads, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord, he says, and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday. And then he builds up to this line in verse 7 as he says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In this passage, David confronts our often misguided understanding of what waiting looks like. We often think waiting, waiting patiently is passive, right? You just do nothing. You just wait until the storm passes. You just wait until God in his kindness, in his cosmic mercy, just drops uh, the promise on your lap and you just, you know, just do nothing and God will just sort it out for you. But in this text, we read that waiting is not so much passive, it is really active. Notice the language in that psalm. Trust, do good, dwell, enjoy, take delight in, commit, be still. Like seven, kind of seven staccato commands all leading up, crescendoing in that line that goes, wait patiently for the Lord. Waiting is active, it is not passive. First, David says we ought to trust in a time of waiting. To trust is to lean your whole weight on something. To trust in God, to lean the weight of your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations, all you are on Him because He can surely take the weight. The next thing he says, we ought to do good, to do something good with our lives, to not just wait for things to sort out, but in the meantime, in the middle, to endeavor to do good, to not wait for stuff to pan out, but to continually and consistently do good with all that we have. The next he says to dwell in the land, to sink your roots deep, to dig in, to not bounce around, to not uh, grow distracted, but to sink into where you are called to serve and to love, to dwell in the land. And then he says to take delight in the Lord. Now that's a great line, right? Notice it's kind of a command. It's to take delight in God. 
when you delight in God, you look to Him for satisfaction, for fulfillment, for meaning, for purpose, for identity, for validation, to take delight in God, to set your heart to a kind of joy and gratitude mode. Instead of simply lamenting for what you don't have, take joy and delight in what you do have. And then he says to commit your way to God, to trust uh, God with whatever is in front of you, to commit it to God. It means as though you make God your navigator, you trust in Him to lead, to guide you, that you aren't worried about the timeline. You trust that He sees all things, He knows all things, that His way is higher, that His way is the best way, even when we don't understand, to commit our way to God. And then he says to be still. I love that. He, he goes on to say, be still, to slow down, take a deep breath, to stop fidgeting, to stop fighting, to stop banging your head against the wall and just be, be still. Take a deep breath, be still in this moment and experience his presence and his goodness. And as you do all these things, David says that we wait patiently for God as we trust, as we seek, as we delight, as we do good, as we dwell, as we pause and be still. We wait patiently on our God. And I wonder this morning whether you feel that kind of tension in you, right? You have these promises that you are longing to see come to pass, not simply for your own gratification, but you see the beauty in these promises and you so long, you so want to see these things pan out for God's kingdom and glory. And yes, there ought to be moments where we bang on the doors of heaven and contend and intercede and lay hold of God. But there ought to be moments where we are still but we trust that as we wait, God is working in power, in glory, in splendor, that we can trust in his timing, that we can trust in his good nature. We can trust that God wants the promise to come to pass more uh, than even we do. He wants to deliver us more than we want to be delivered. He is not willing that any shall perish. Even as we wait on God, we do so not with fingers crossed hoping for the best outcome, but we do so with a confident expectation in God, in His nature, in His goodness. And this morning, even as we wrap up this time, I want to encourage you and invite you to practice stillness, to practice waiting patiently on God. It's not a kind of passive waiting, it is active. It involves us doing good, to trust in Him, to committing our ways and our plans to Him. Even use Psalm 37 in your own time as a guide to your prayer, to, to walk through each of those commands, each of those lines, until your soul waits patiently for your God. So this morning, let's take a moment. I invite you right now to be still, get comfortable, Take a deep breath in as you do so, feel your heart rate slowing down. You might have woken up this morning, your heart is in a flurry, it's, your heart rate is elevated, maybe you're anxious about a whole bunch of stuff, maybe you have a whole list of things to do to accomplish today. I invite you for this moment, for this uh, moment in time, in this day, to slow down, to take a deep breath in, 
and as you breathe out, feel your heart rate slowing down. Feel a sense of calm and peace just enveloping your soul, your body. Feel God's peace descend on you. And as you feel this kind of peace, begin to cause your, your body, your soul, your mind, your heart to be aware of His goodness. His goodness that is sustaining you in this moment. His goodness that has been for you in your past. And His goodness that is here in this present moment. And His goodness that will be present in your days to come. Surely I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And as you still your heart and posture your your entire being to sense His goodness. Take all of the promises that you are contending for and in your own way resolve in your heart to wait patiently for your God to trust. Even when you don't seem, seem to see things working, you trust and believe in His perfect plan and timing. Let's spend a few moments this morning being still and waiting patiently on our God. Amen. I hope that you felt the presence of God even in this short time of stillness and waiting. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day. Father, we thank you for your nature, that which is good, faithful, and true. We can truly and fully trust in you, O God. And Lord, we believe that our promises, that your promises to us are yes and amen. And we believe that we will see your goodness unfold in our lives while we are alive, while we are on the earth. Surely I would have lost heart had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, we truce to believe. We call our souls this morning to believe in your goodness, your unfailing nature. We thank you for this day. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. Have a blessed day ahead. Grace and peace. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to The Daily Podcast. We will have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and you want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg, or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.